Hello and welcome back to the Accommodation Show. We help accommodation owners like you get the knowledge and skills that you need to grow your business, improve your guest experience and increase your profitability. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Accommodation Show. I'm excited today because I am joined by Matt Cameron Smith from Voyages. He is the CEO over there and doing some fantastic work in the accommodation industry. Um, welcome to the show. Thanks, Bart. Good to be here. Look, um, it's very rare that I get interviews that I kind of wake up in the morning and think, oh my God, this is going to be fantastic. But this is actually one of them. Um, you are running um, accommodation in Uluru, which um, in my heart is one of the most important locations in Australia. I'll tell you a little story. When I was a kid, I got on my first flight when I was eight years old. Uh, my background's Polish. We were heading out to, uh, to Poland for the first time and uh, we did a flyover of Uluru uh, in a Qantas plane. It was back in the days where you could still go to the cockpit and then play around with the captain and, and do all that sort of stuff. So for me as a kid, it, was, it just blew my mind. And I never imagined that now I'd be talking to yourself about what you're doing up there. So I'm really excited. Matt, what I'd love you to do is could you please uh, introduce yourself, um, let everybody know uh, where you're from and then what you guys are doing at Voyages. Uh, sure, Bart. So, uh, Matt Cameron-Smith, um, very proud to be the CEO of Voyages Indigenous Tourism Australia. We have two primary footprints. Um, probably the lesser known is Mossman Gorge Cultural Centre up in beautiful tropical North Queensland. It's a combination of a, uh, a cafe, a, an art centre and more importantly a, a cultural component. So it's the entry point to the World Heritage uh, listed UNESCO National Park. And we offer a combination of welcome to country experiences, guided walks, uh, and uh, other cultural experiences. Uh, and uh, our best known, uh, without a doubt, would be Uluru, so, uh, or the, the township of Yulara. So Voyages runs the entire township. Uh, it's not just a resort, it is a town. So we have the airport, we have uh, 16 amazing business partners uh, out there who all reside in Yulara. And we have uh, the five hotels plus the caravan and campground. Uh, in addition to that, we have the town square, which is anything from an IGA supermarket uh, through to what is 13 retail outlets and 14 F&B outlets. So it's, it's quite a large uh, facility. We have around 1,150 staff when we're at full tilt. Uh, accommodation for up to 1,600 staff. So staff accommodation is a big part of our business as well as uh, the guest experience. But we're very much a purpose-led organisation. Uh, we believe in changing lives through cultural tourism and those lives are the local community uh, that we work very closely with, the lives of our, of our team members uh, and the lives, importantly, of the guests that come and have an amazing experience in Yolara. So uh, we have about 38% Indigenous employment right now, so it's a very big part of what we do. Uh, and about 27% of our leadership are Indigenous, so um, through both the National Indigenous Training Academy, which is a uh, a Voyages uh, initiative. Uh, we've had around 617 graduates come through that program, which is incredibly important in terms of closing the gap and uh, ensuring we're changing lives through education, training and employment. Uh, we have all those graduates actually uh, come through with a Cert 3 or 4 in hospitality, tourism or retail. And we are looking forward to having around 700 in total, uh, having graduated by um, January next year. So that's a very important part of what we do. 
Wow. So look, it sounds to me that, I mean, it's, it's not just about the tourism, right? So you're enriching people's lives. One is obviously through all the experiences, but working with local communities um, and educating and training and building a better future for uh, the, the indigenous community and I guess for all Australians as well. Um, so I guess there's a quite a significant impact that you would you would feel like as, as you're going into work. It's not just about the money, right? Well, that's right. Uh, you know, we, we talk about being a purpose-led organisation, and I think that permeates right through our entire team. Uh, and it's also about giving the guests an amazing experience when they're with us. We're, we're an experience-based destination by our, our nature, but we're also a platform for Indigenous enterprise to thrive. So we have several Indigenous businesses, and we support Indigenous businesses through our operation, both through Supply Nation with our procurement uh, initiatives, but also... Another great example would be our gallery we recently opened, which is the Gallery of Central Australia. And that's really a showcase of uh, Central Australian art. So it's dedicated to art from the APY lens. Uh, we work with 19 art centres. Uh, it's about ethical art sales, so the artist sets the price. Our guests get to see uh, world-class art and uh, you know, meet, the, meet the artist, understand um, why, not just what, these, these uh, amazing artworks are about. Uh, and that revenue goes straight to community. So it's an important part of tying what we do back to uh, helping sustain remote communities. How, how brilliant. Look, um, I'm, I'm aware that I think that you started working there in 2020. Is that right? That's right. That's right. So During COVID, yeah. Yeah. So, oh, <laughs> so, so I guess there's a, a multifaceted, um, some multifaceted questions here. Like how you seem to be quite well educated. And of course, you've been there for, for a couple of years um, working in the job that you're doing, but what, how do you, how do you even get into that sort of a position to, to, to be doing this sort of work? And then, um, what's your learning curve been to, to get, to get up to speed? Because I imagine that it's quite a fascinating, uh, you, you need to be kind of vested and you need to be interested in what you're actually doing. But yeah, so tell me about that sort of, how did you get there and, and how's that journey been over the past couple of years? Sure. I, I certainly believe tourism is a really important way to help sustain cultures and, I've been very fortunate to have some great roles during my career uh, with Tourism Australia, where I was part of the uh, experiences team, or part of part of what I, my responsibility was really around um, promoting Indigenous tourism and Indigenous experiences. So, took the first Indigenous roadshow to London, I think, back in two thousand and three or four. Uh, so, I've been working in that in that space for quite a while. Uh, before joining Voyages, I was working with AT Kings who have a significant footprint uh, in the Territory and, and, and nationally. So, you know, one of our most distinctive attributes as a country is the world as old as living culture. Uh, and I guess from my days with Tourism Australia and, and beforehand, many countries around the world or destinations promote what's different, and I don't think that's enough. Uh, I think difference is just a comparison. If you talk about what's distinctive uh, within a destination, um, then usually it's the culture. And... Australia is incredibly uh, lucky to have the world's oldest living culture, a culture that's older than the Great Barrier Reef. So um, I think it's a really important uh, role, that, or tourism plays a very important role in helping not just um, drive sustainability through uh, managing emissions uh, and outputs, but also helping to sustain cultural tourism. Yeah, so there's a, there's a massive uh, education part for, for guests that are coming to, to visit you and, and that are staying with you. So that's kind of part of the experience, it's not just seeing, it's actually learning about culture. And um, I know that the Aboriginal Indigenous culture, it just goes so far back. Uh, 
tell me about the, the, the guest experience. Tell me about, I guess, a, a little bit about who's visiting um, mm. and what you're trying to impart. What are you trying to do with these guests for them to have a fantastic time? Sure. I think it really is about creating a connection um, and doing it in a way that is comfortable for the traditional owners, and that's the Anunu people at Uluru. Uh, they they want to share culture. It's uh, they are a storytelling culture, and the cultures or the stories are told through art, um, through song, uh, and through dance. So um, connecting visitors, be it international or domestic, to that culture is a really important part of what we do. Uh, and helping uh, create income for that community is also a very important part of what we do, both through entry to the national park, but also through uh, the experiences that we offer. Uh, normally, we're about half and half international and domestic. Um, your listeners would be very aware that we had no international for the last two years and it's starting to trickle back now which is terrific but uh, what has been great to see is a real uh, a renaissance of domestic tourism and a, re a genuine interest in indigenous culture uh, so we've we've been able to trade when we have been able to trade uh, very strongly with domestic and it's been wonderful to see Australians really becoming curious about uh, the the homogenous nature of indigenous culture it's not uh, sorry the, the heterogeneous nature of, i beg your pardon it's not one culture there's you know 200 language groups or more mm. um and if you went to any school in the country and asked the kids no matter what age they were uh who could say hello and goodbye in, in uh, french or italian or chinese or japanese you get a pretty good hit rate but if you ask them who can say hello or goodbye in any of the indigenous dialects you probably get a very poor hit rate um, and so I think the country has got a real opportunity now as we reopen again and restart tourism to have Indigenous tourism at the forefront of that um, from both an education point of view but also to help um, these, this amazing culture um, not just survive but thrive. Yeah, and so I mean there were the campaigns that are coming out um, through COVID of you know, discover your own backyard. Um, do you think that, that that was kind of the right messaging for, for you guys? I think it was the only messaging our industry um, uh, could rely on. It's, it was a very important time to actually focus that the, the tourism spend back on our own country. Um, and for a period there where we couldn't go anywhere else, uh, it was a great way to, I guess, reconnect to, to country for everybody and realise that growing up and doing road trips was actually pretty awesome fun, even if you didn't have a device in your hand at the time. But uh, I think, you know, we've seen a, a real spike in family travel coming through uh, uh, Uluru, which has been wonderful, uh, and the same for North Queensland. So as soon as borders were open domestically, uh, we saw a direct correlation to uh, to our business spiking up. Uh, so let's hope the borders stay open. Yeah, for sure, yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> I'm touching wood right now. Um, we don't want to go through it again. So um, uh, the 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 demo. So I, w I want to talk about a bit of staffing yeah. and and that how you went through the, the pandemic and that sort of stuff, but I'd really like to know a, a bit about where you guys are going for the future and what 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 your best guesses are um, uh, in terms of what might happen next. And uh, I'd like to start off just kind of exploring the, the changing traveler. So you said that you were, had that mix of 50% international and then 50% domestic, mm. but now that you've got more domestic as well, it's not the same type of traveler that you're getting. Like you said, you've got more families that are coming through. Yep. So then, uh, because you're a sizable business as well, if you know that you've got more families, you've got a lot of moving parts that you need to move around to make sure that it's going to work because families' needs are going to be completely different to a couple. Um, uh, from a, a, an accommodation perspective to a food perspective to an experience perspective. 
So then you're, you're moving everything, but how much is enough so that is catering to this new demographic and then do you lean into it? And before we even start, we talked about the certainty of the future. So how has the demographic of Traveller changed um, and how has it impacted um, the business? So I think uh, I'll take the family one first. Uh, certainly it's impacted, I think, many in our industry in terms of the offering. Uh, where we've had to uh, adjust and, and, I guess, adapt to a different consumer or a 100% domestic consumer. Because there wouldn't have been many tourism businesses that had 100% domestic uh, historically, uh, certainly not regionally. So it's, it has impacted the food delivery, certainly. You know, we have to look at our menu options, uh, timing of delivery, uh, how we deliver it, where we deliver it, uh, make sure we have the right outlets open at the right time, the staffing pressures, because we had... You know, somewhere around 1,100 staff uh, initially or before COVID and 43 direct services a week uh, in terms of aviation. And aviation is very critical to us. Uh, we, we had halved our staff over that period uh, and that was very difficult. Uh, we're rebuilding now, but um, everybody is. So the war for talent is very real. Mm -hmm. uh, and as we rebuild, we have to make sure that we calibrate our delivery in a way that the guest is never impacted and that we keep the guest experience at the forefront. And that's really our focus right now is maintaining that, um, that amazing experience for the guest and adapting our operational platform to work with what we have. Uh, we've been able to uh, secure labour from the Pacific Islands and from the Philippines and other areas where we're looking at skilled migration. But uh, the war for talent is global now, so um, everyone's in there fighting for the same people. Yeah, look, the, the, the challenges for, for staffing uh, are really very real for everyone. Um, and I know that you guys do um, good training programs and that you're really supportive of your staff and trying to uh, educate them and develop them. Um, one of the questions I got from my community were like, what kind of things are you doing? What kind of impact is it having on the business to, to maybe attract people or retain people? Um, and are you doing anything that you think might be that other people aren't doing to try to, try to uh, get more staff without giving, giving it all away? Yeah, I think that the first important point to note is uh, what environment are we recruiting into? And uh, a place like Ilara offers uh, anyone in our industry a very unique experience in terms of honing your skills, being able to save a bit, uh, being able to immerse yourself in culture uh, and being part of an iconic um, tourism offering. Uh, however, it's uh, a place where everyone lives and works together. So you don't commute to work, uh, you live with your colleagues uh, in staff housing. Um, we have a range of studio one, two and three bedroom houses, all of which are self-contained so you can still cook for yourself. And we have an amazing uh, recreational club, anything from basketball, an incredible gymnasium, lap pool, uh, classes, boxing, the whole bit. So uh, we look after their health as well as their, um, their accommodation. Uh, there's a staff bar, so you know you can relax uh, in, in privacy, which is very important. Um, but then also then there's uh, things like settling allowances. So uh, we own and operate the IGA supermarket um, up at, at Uluru. So it could be a settling allowance for groceries for a period just to offset your moving costs. Um, a welcome pack in terms of the basics. Um, the longer you stay, the less rent you pay. So there's a, a 10-year based rent um, rebate. Uh, there's also, depending on your role and where you're coming from and your situation, there could be flights home twice a year or there's a, there's a range of incentives on, in place. And I think what's important to, to, to note when you're looking at incentives to attract and retain staff is that not the same thing will motivate everybody. 
So it's important to have a conversation with whoever's joining the business and, and work out what matters to them and then work out within your suite of what you've got um, um, what you can offer them in terms of attracting them and retaining them within the business. So you're saying that ultimately you guys have to be far more flexible uh, than you ever were in the past in terms of what the offering is going to be depending on people's circumstances. I mean, like even if you think of, I mean, for you, it's not appropriate that the working from home setup, but it's that sort of expectation of the market moving and saying, hey, what about me? Um, what can you what can you offer me which is going to cater to my needs? Yeah, I think, you know, working from home is one thing if you're working in a CBD, but uh, working in a place like Yalara and even Mossman Gorge to a degree, it's, it's learning when you're working. Uh, it's, it's, you're getting a constant education because of the diversity of what we offer. So in terms of honing your skills, you know, some of the country's most uh, prominent hoteliers have, have had time uh, at, at Yalara because of its complexity and because of its diversity. So it's quite an exciting place to work in that regard if you're into hospitality, retail, and even horticulture uh, or cultural tourism. So um, if you commit to that, then uh, we certainly commit to our team and we want to keep everybody forever, but it doesn't always work that way. Uh, however, we have had, uh, we mentioned our training program uh, earlier, our Indigenous training program. Uh, we have four former graduates that will celebrate 10 years with the business this year. So uh, it is a place where you can progress. Uh, it's a place where you can advance your career. And it's certainly uh, an important part of anyone's CV in terms of their, their um, ongoing success. Well, you're building your life around it, right? Well, it is your life when you're there. We've got a school, a kindergarten, um, ending from medical centre to emergency services. So it really is a, like working in a, uh, a tourism town that's one, yeah. one piece. So, so during the pandemic, where obviously it's all about, you know, repositioning the business, saving on costs, a lot of unknown. So therefore you need to um, remove as much expense as possible. Um, mm. And then at that stage, whilst you're in the middle of it, you're not really thinking about about uh, recruiting and what people are going to want and what the new offering is going to be and what the training program is going to be and who's going to be coming, where they're going to be mm. coming from. Like you said, you've got the skilled workers uh, visas or skilled migrants that are going to be coming over and they might be coming from countries that you've never worked with in the past. Mm. Um, uh, that that investment of of changing um, the sort of the onboarding or the recruitment is when did you do you guys have a, a conscious change of strategy and say hey we really need to look at this particular thing of course you've got HR departments where they're working with you but go now is the time we really need to get super serious about how we do things and where you know kind of tear up the the playbook and go again how did you approach uh, that and when did it start. There's probably a few ways to answer that. Uh, first and foremost, during the pandemic, that's when you've got to look after your people. It's not enough to say that you looked after them when times are good and they owe you when times are tough. Um, you've got to back them as well. So um, our, our, all of our attention was to make sure that uh, we looked after our people and, and understood what their needs were. Um, we worked very closely with local community around vaccine programs to make sure that we did our part, uh, our, that our protocols were above minimum standard, uh, that we engaged with government on a regular basis, hourly, some days, certainly daily, mm. uh, in terms of keeping ahead of what the requirements were and what the, the border protocols were. So uh, we had a real duty of care to protect everybody who lives and works in Yalara um, during both a shutdown period and a reopening period, um, and a, I guess a, a reboot period, which we're still going through now. Uh, but in terms of then uh, what happens from there and who do you attract, uh, I think how you look after your people is, is how you attract new ones. You know, it's um, your, your own team will be your biggest advocates in terms of how we get new talent into the business. And for us, it was 
focusing less on the challenge or the or the, the problem around um, staffing levels. It was about what's the opportunity for us. What's what is available to us, and so we went to work pretty quickly, talking to the government, talking to employment agencies, and trying to work out what was the best pathway forward for us to get staff as fast as possible. And that's really when the Pacific Island Labor Scheme came up in terms of uh, hospitality trained people in, in uh, Fiji and the South Pacific who may have worked in crews before or resorts and uh, were displaced uh, because there was no job keeper in some other countries. Mm -hmm. Uh, and the same with the Philippines. We've had amazing chefs join us that have global experience and have immersed themselves in, in what is a, a very important cultural melting pot. I mentioned earlier, 38% uh, of our team are indigenous, uh, but the other 62%, even before COVID, was made up of 41 nationalities. So it's always been a very multicultural place to live and work, and that's beautiful. That, that, that lifts skills, it brings um, shared skills in, we learn from each other. Uh, and uh, we're able to immerse other cultures into um, the culture of the Anunu people, and that's, that's an amazing experience. Yeah, wow. Uh, that kind of philosophically, that actually aligns with the accommodation show as well. My belief has always been to, to share, to collaborate, and that, you know, borders are incredibly irrelevant um, in terms of the things that we can learn from each other and improve our skill set. So, I mean, right now you might be thinking that, that it's only going to be Aussies listening, but it's everyone around the world that will be taking these lessons and sharing it um, through through their business. So, um, I really I really respect that. I'm very well traveled, and I, I I appreciate those all those cultures and those experiences that you get, um, and knowing that people see things in a different way um, than what I do, which is is the most valuable. Um, I wanted to go back. So, cool. was there anything else on the staffing sort of front uh, before we move on from there that you feel that we haven't covered, which might be of value to to the listeners? I think it's just a, a matter of uh, you know we have to look after them. They're they're our our front line. Um, they are our brand. Uh, we want everyone to be on brand at all times uh, and be conscious of what it is we do. So we have a a fairly lengthy induction program around, you know, through the eyes of the underneath so you know whose land that you're on uh, and to be culturally competent uh, when you're on those lands uh, and working and living in that sort of environment. But the same goes for our team in, in our, our Sydney office uh, and for Mossman Gorge. It really is about one team and working to support each other and, you know, we're not believers in, in whose job it is. It's, it's everyone's job to get things done. So uh, regardless of your discipline within the business, it really is about uh, what are the priorities. Let's all muck in together to help each other and then uh, you get on with what your, your particular discipline is. Great. Okay, so I want to go back to uh, the part where we were talking about the, the changing guests and the changing traveler and what their needs are. Uh, with a business of your size and uh, being in the position where you sit, how are you getting uh, data back to let you know what's going on and who's staying and uh, what the changes are and what those needs uh, of those consumers are. Is it is it all coming through surveys? Is it coming through check-in information? How how are you keeping? Because uh, everything you do now, you need sort of minute by minute information coming at you, right? Like otherwise, you're way too slow. Um, have you had to make any changes, and how are you getting that the information that you need to to make the next decisions? Well, it's ongoing. I think guest touch points are something that you map constantly in the business. Uh, and whether we're capturing data at, uh, through the website, uh, through booking forms, through trade partners, uh, through guest registration, certainly one way, although we, we want to digitise that and make it paperless. So we're working to make that as streamlined as possible uh, pre-arrival. Uh, but certainly guest surveys. So, uh, you know, 
we want to know what the guest thinks after the experience as well as before the experience and is there a gap between expectation and delivery. Uh, and so our team scrutinise uh, our guest feedback daily in terms of how we're tracking and what's important is you know, it'd be a waste of time to ask the question, get the data and not doing about it. So it's also how you respond to what your guests are saying around value, delivery, timing, venues, food experiences, um, the calibre of the rooms and the delivery of the room experience. So it's all touch points. And has there been any change in uh, people's expectations that that is sort of incredibly noticeable in terms of your where you had that split of 50-50 and now uh, it's, you know, there's more sort of local travellers coming your way? I think early on, uh, for us all, you know, how we deliver buffet experiences um, during uh, a pandemic, you know, how we can adapt our services. And we did a lot of work on that. Um, guest signage around distancing, um, appropriate behaviours. Uh, we've had times when on and off we've had to uh, deploy a mask mandate based on what the government's telling us to do. So um, territory different rules other parts of Australia. So, you know, we really do follow what the government was talking about during the pandemic, but also ensuring the least impact on our guest experience uh, and to protect our own team. So uh, pretty early and midpoint pandemic, uh, distancing was really important, how we set restaurants, how we delivered bar experiences, uh, buffets were important. Um, some venues couldn't trade because of the way they were set up physically, so we had to adapt a little bit. Outdoor dining became more important because people felt more comfortable um, dining outside. So sounds of science, that kind of experience were important. So it was important. Uh, so I think that will be ongoing. Uh, it'll be very interesting to watch the changing expectations of the inbound markets and where they're coming from and whether that's different by market by market. US, they're still wearing a mask. You still have to test to go back to the US. UK and Europe's very different. Mm. Uh, Japan's still relatively closed, as is China. So there'll be, it'll be an ongoing challenge for the industry as to how we deliver. And if you look back in, in history, you know, there's some lessons that we've learnt 20 plus years ago. We're still carrying 100 mils of liquid in flight for international flights and taking our shoes off. And 9-11 was 21 years ago. So uh, some things change travel forever and our industry will have to adapt. Yeah. And um, so th that inbound market stuff, and I think this is a nice way to sort of come towards the end of the, the episode, is looking yeah. kind of looking ahead. Um, thinking about risks, thinking about the future, thinking about the, the travelers that are coming. And you're absolutely right. The Where people come from is more relevant than ever before, um, especially in terms of their vaccination requirements, in terms of um, their expectations. Right? I, I was over in New Zealand last week and everyone's still wearing a mask. You know, and then I get off the plane in Melbourne and <laughs> just chuck it in the bin. So yep. you're going to have these different expectations from different people as they come to 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 visit you. Uh, and one thing that's obvious is that there's a bit of apathy as well within, you know, people like, we just don't know what to do anymore. The rules change every, all the time. Yep. Um, for you guys, particularly every state, it's got different rules and, and different regulations and mandates. Have you got a team that's watching this how 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 do we how do you what would you recommend uh people do to to manage this in terms of understanding the people that are coming at you um do you need a dedicated squad to, to look after this so, yeah we have a, we have a, a guest well-being team that focuses very closely on that network across the business units uh we also work very closely with nt health in terms of what are the current protocols i think we're on version 48 now uh, over the last 20 months so it's changed a lot so you have to be very adaptive. Uh, that said, the governments are now talking very much around um, self-accountability and 
making sure that you, you are accountable for yourself. So if you're not feeling well, we have a range of protocols. We have uh, pre-guest arrival comms. We have post-guest arrival comms that talk about what to do if. Uh, so everyone's on the same page, and our business partners are also a big part of that, uh, as are our team members. Uh, so we want to make sure that we're protecting everybody. So if ever we get any um, inclination something's going wrong, we, we go out with a mask mandate for our own people before the guests, mm -hmm. just to make sure we're doing um, more than what is the basic minimum to protect everybody. And that will change. Uh, it'll change over time. I don't think that um, sanitising and cleaning will change, and that's a good thing. It's made travel arguably probably uh, more hygienic than ever because we're more conscious of it. We're washing our hands more, we're washing hard services more, we're disinfecting areas more. So those heightened protocols will probably stay with us for quite a while. Uh, and that's great because it means not just uh, COVID, but other uh, influenza and other things that you can catch as you're traveling um, could be reduced. And that's a good thing. So final few questions. So around the um, future, um, kind of looking at uh, the domestic market, we've seen that Demand has been incredibly strong. Mm. Uh, we know that there's that, that there's it's, it's almost like quite an affluent traveler that's coming to us, and they're they're spending more money. Um, do you? What are your sort of projections as a business that you're allowed to disclose in terms of how long that will last for? Now, I think domestic has got a lot more legs in it yet. Uh, it will depend on a couple of things around aviation and our capacity to fly in and out of the country. Uh, it'll depend on our, as countries reopen. Uh, but I do think that uh, when it comes to family travel, particularly, uh, it'll remain very strong. Uh, there'll certainly be a component of VFR that will drive um, traffic both sides, inbound and outbound. It's not so much what we've missed, it's who we've missed mm -hmm. that will be the, uh, the early part of travel to drive it. And that, that will help for inbound. Uh, we want to position um, Uluru as an amazing place to reconnect with loved ones. So uh, don't just come to Australia to see your loved ones, come to Uluru and, and share the country with loved ones. Yeah. So I think that uh, there's ways our industry can really capitalize on those trends as they evolve. Uh, inbound will come back, it will. Yeah. Uh, when, um, that's really crystal balling. Uh, we haven't planned for much more than 30% even into 23. Uh, I think it'll grow beyond that, but um, it's important that we are uh, conservative in our forecasts and manage the business appropriately uh, as markets come back. But certainly we've, we've seen no slowdown in domestic, even with international borders open, and that's been fantastic. Yeah. And then so that kind of leads me to the, to the final question, actually. As you said, the forecasting um, and sort of building, building um, your models for the future and what you think might happen. Uh, what kind of risks uh, are you guys taking into account? What are the sort of the biggest concerns that you can kind of see coming up um, that could impact um, your business, but um, I guess uh, the, the, the industry as a whole? I think there's always been risk in business, you know, some risk you, you manage, some you mitigate, um, and some you accept. And uh, ours, our risk is all about making sure that we are conservative, that we cut our cloth appropriately to how we're trading, uh, that we look for every revenue opportunity, that we work on dollar capture strategies in terms of ensuring that we give guests every opportunity to have an amazing experience with us. And I think the, the closer you are to what your guest expectations are and uh, what they're looking to do, the more chance you've got to build uh, yielding opportunities and revenue opportunities. So 
work very closely with partners. Uh, we've got incredible partners with both Jetstar and Qantas and the Qantas Group, which is fantastic, but also our business partners out in, in Yalara, whether you want to jump out of an aeroplane over Uluru, ride a Harley around it, um, get on a bicycle, be on a camel, uh, take an amazing tour with AT Kings. Uh, there's a range of, of options for you. So we need all ships to rise and everyone to be successful. And that's when we know we're getting somewhere yeah. as a business. So one thing that struck me there is you said uh, conservative. Um, and I think that my understanding of the, the advantage of being conservative is, is that you're protecting your business, you're protecting your people um, for the future because it's you know like a, a, a share portfolio or yeah. whatever. You're you're making sure that it's there for the long run, especially uh, if you're in retirement years, right? Like that's how you would how you would structure it. Um, there are different businesses that might uh, that would want to um, take. Uh, more risk, right? So we'd want the airlines to take yeah. more risk and go faster so they can bring us more customers and that sort of thing. Um, do you agree with kind of what, what I'm saying if I summarized it correctly? Yeah, I think you'd be financially conservative, but you'd be commercially brave. So um, I think it, it's, it would be dangerous to confuse conservative with complacent. Uh, it's, you know, over, over COVID, we've completely refurbished sales in the desert. Uh, we've uh, refreshed desert gardens. Uh, we've opened the Gallery of Central Australia. So there's been a lot of things that we've done that are new and that have cost money over COVID. And that's really investing in the guest experience. Um, being conservative is about your planning. Um, it's not about your activity necessarily. So uh, we'll remain at the forefront. We'll be in market as soon as we can. Um, we're in the US only two weeks ago as part of a roadshow. So um, we'll stay at the front to make sure the message is out there that Australia is open that uh, the industry is arguably better than ever because we've had to focus on what we're good at and, and get rid of what we're not good at. So I think what you'll see in Australia is actually a heightened guest experience across the board in our industry because we've had to really hone our, our, our delivery. And that's, that's fantastic. I think that'll bode well for us internationally as well as domestic. Yeah, wow. Uh, I'm inspired. I really am. I, I think uh, I love the uh, journey that you've been on, Matt. Um, I love that you're doing what you do. I love your enthusiasm. Uh, and I, I can tell that you're, it's all about, you know, like, yes, you're, you're there, but it's all about your people. Um, it permeates through you um, that that's, that's what you're all about as an organization. Um, and what you're doing is important work for, for Australia um, as a whole. So, so well done. And, and look, I, I want to say thank you for coming onto the show and spending your valuable time with us and sharing with everybody as to what's going on and what you guys are doing. Um, of course, I'd be remiss to not encourage everyone to, to visit you, <laughs> to come up, take a trip. You're welcome. Um, is there any final thoughts or any final words you'd like to impart on, on our audience or any ways that people should reach out or engage with, uh, with the business? Uh, I think probably a couple of things. Uh, cultural tourism matters. Uh, you know, we, we have an incredible asset in our indigenous culture, so I'd encourage everyone to learn more understand more. Uh, listening is incredibly important uh, when we're dealing with um, First Nations people. So um, it's, the, it's their land and their culture. And it's beautiful, it's amazing, it's exciting, it's diverse. So uh, get amongst it. Uh, the second one is if you're looking for a, an amazing experience working in hospitality, give us a call. Wow. 
Okay. Love it. Okay, great. Um, so, everybody, thank you so much for listening to the episode. Uh, make sure that you give us a like, give us a subscribe, leave us a comment um, below if you've got any questions and myself uh, or Matt or his team will jump onto them and help you out. Um, once again, uh, Matt, thank you so much for, for joining us. I do appreciate it. Uh, and I, I wish you a really good uh, rest of the day. Thanks, Bart. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much for listening to the show. You can find us at theaccommodationshow.com where you can find all the show notes, links to resources we have talked about, and transcripts from the show. I really do appreciate you listening. And if you'd like to support the show, then please subscribe, leave a comment, and share it with others.